Hey everybody, Amanda Smith here. Thank you so much for joining me today on How She Did It. If you're returning, welcome on back. And if you're new here, thank you for joining us. I hope that you will continue to do so. So be sure to subscribe. So today's guest is a NBA insider, senior writer for ESPN, and one of the most respected voices in the world of sports. She has been recognized with multiple awards through the Pro Basketball Writers Association. And whether it be through radio, writing, or television, her work can be found all across the network. Here is Ramona Shelburne. Hey everybody, Amanda Smith here with Ramona Shelburne. I want to thank you for joining me on the show today. Oh, you're welcome. Happy to be here. I know, it's pretty funny, and this is a true story. little backstory, Ramona and I met via DM, very 2019, because I really was driving on this like nine-hour drive, listening to the Sterling Affairs, and almost ran out of gas, because that's how great of a storyteller you are. It's a true, it's a true Where story. were you driving from for nine hours? <laughs> I was, it's a really long story. I like, I have these cats and I went to go pick them up because I'm not from Utah, which is where I live now. And I was like, I, I knew that your, you know, 30 for 30 series had come out. I'm, like, I'm just going to wait until I do this trip and like knock it all out in one day. Yeah. Next thing I know, I'm in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, literally below E. I'm like, the last voice I'm going to hear is Ramona Shelburne. That's fine with me. <laughs> Sounds, well, you know, that's kind of like the new era of podcast. Like some, some people, it's like, you know, you save it for a big long drive or trip that you have coming up. And other times you can just like binge listen to it, doing whatever you're doing for, the, for like two or three days. It's, I tend to, I, I go back and forth. I don't have a habit yet, but um you know, I, I think that's like the new, I, I used to make calls all the time when I'm driving and now like, now it's a podcast thing. Right. And sometimes it's like annoying, like you, you're not finished with an episode and you have to like sit in the car for five minutes to finish <laughs> that episode once you finally arrive. Right. Right. You're like, okay, I can't get out yet. I can't go inside. You get it. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so this is your 10th year with ESPN. Mm-hmm. And I was reading an article from an interview you had done where you talked about how you feel you've really had this unique experience of being able to grow up at the network. When you look at your journey, how would you describe the sort of process it's taken you to now get to this point? Well, it's interesting at ESPN because like I was hired at, um, you know, I was like 30 when I was hired. So I had this whole, you know, 10 year out of 10 year career out of college where I was not at ESPN, I was at a newspaper and um, I was at the LA Daily News and it was kind of like, you know, I didn't really, I didn't really get that many opportunities. I, I was covering like high school sports for a long time and then I would get um, chances to do some, some features and some backup work on NBA things as they would, as they would come out, like you know, Howard Beck was our Lakers writer and he would take a day off and so I would cover practice for him or during the playoffs, they would let me go out there and write sidebars, and, and uh, I would do kind of backup work. Um, and it was really just like my last year at the Daily News that I started to get a lot more opportunities um, because they they made me a columnist, and I would go out to um, I would go out to Dodger games, I would go out to Lakers games, and I mostly kind of got this opportunity because newspapers started having layoffs, 
so like I was kind of like young and cheap, I think. <laughs> and, and they, uh, and they, you know, I just started getting out like great opportunities. And like, that's when I met the guy who ended up hiring me at ESPN. His name is Eric Neal. Um, he was writing for page two at the time. And like, they were just about to launch ESPN Los Angeles. And he noticed me as a writer. Um, I think I was covering the Dodgers. That's when we started talking. Um, but he didn't tell me, you know, launching ESPN Los Angeles at the time, but I think he just kind of observed how I went about things. But I, I honestly, the reason why I bring all that up is because, because I was so like, you know, hungry at the time. Like, I mean, you know, you work for 10 years and you're like just trying to get a couple of breaks, right? Like you're just trying to get something to sink your teeth into and, and propel your career forward. Like I had this, you know, enthusiasm and this, this, this desire every single time I was out there to, to write the best story or to find something no one else had. And I think that's probably what they noticed at ESPN is that, you know, I was, it wasn't just like a young, hungry, you know, entitled person, right? Like I want to have a job right away. I was like young and hungry and like trying to make things happen all the time because quite frankly, like I had been a really long time. And if I didn't, if I didn't really get a break, um, right, you know, pretty quickly, I was going to change jobs. I was going to change careers. Like I was already 30. I'd just gotten married. I was kind of like, you know, if I don't, if I don't make this happen or take a, a meaningful step forward, um, I think I got to do something else in my life. Right. Like I'm, you know, I need to, I need to not be like a starving artist. Right. Like, and, um, they, uh, so I get this, I get this job at ESPN LA and, you know, I don't think we really knew what it was. Like we just were launching these like websites that were going to compete with newspapers and, um, you know, we didn't really have a whole newspaper staff and, you know, I think, but it was, it was, it was really good. And it was bad because it's sort of, because it was a little unfocused, we all, um, just kind of got to create our own focus. And I, there was, I, w- I would say like sometimes in your life and in your job, like you, um, you get put in something and you just do what's expected of you, right? You just do whatever they tell you the job is and okay, you go out, cover the game, write the notebook, write the write the news, do a column here and there. But like I just didn't have a job. Right. So it was sort of like <laughs> I, they were like, Okay, one day you're gonna cover UCLA, you, next day you're gonna go to the Angels, then you might write a Dodger story. Oh, can you do a Laker feature? Like it was like all over the place. And it was mostly because we just didn't have like a full staff to to be covering this. So they would kinda like send me out wherever they didn't have somebody or there was a need for a story or something interesting was going on. Um, and it kind of forced me to look at what I, one, what I was doing, what actually would break through at ESPN, what would get noticed, what was, what was valuable type content. And I actually think that that's sort of a, a really early lesson that I had that, that I try to tell everyone about, which is like, don't just do what they tell you the job is like, try to figure out what actually, breaks through what actually is valuable content try to figure that stuff out because the more you can't you can figure that out the more you your your content is going to break through if you sit back and just do whatever your editor tells you you're probably not gonna have a job for very long especially in this in this media landscape where we're we're growing and changing so much when you had that moment of should i change career paths uh-huh. How did you find the confidence within yourself to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give it this one last push. Honestly, it was, <laughs> I, I was really close to going, you know, to not doing that anymore. I was, um, I had said, I guess I was like 28 or so, um, at one point, And I, and I just said, you know what, I, I, I'm, I can't, 
my husband and I, at the time we weren't married yet, but we were living in like a one bedroom apartment across the street from Cal State Northridge, which is just like a, it's a commuter school here in Los Angeles. And like, it was almost like we lived in the dorms, you know, that's what it <laughs> felt like. Right. And I was just like, we were going to get married. We got engaged at 29. Um, and so it was like eh, 28, 29 ish. Like we were talking about getting married, um, but we hadn't, he hadn't proposed or anything yet. Um, and I got this assignment and it was like, you know, this is back when I was just like literally anything. I was just so excited to get or so excited to, to do anything um, just like outside of covering preps or like local colleges or something, just like any opportunity. Um, so I had applied for the Olympics to cover the Beijing Olympics in 2008 for um, at the time it was called Media News Group. It was like that was the chain that. Um, that the Daily News was a part of. I think it's called Digital First now. I don't know. It's hard to keep track of all these mergers and stuff. Everything's and they, changed. And they, and like, literally, I had already started to, I had already kind of been on this exit path. Like, I had, I had gotten, I literally had gotten back and gotten an internship at KNBC, which is the LA, which is the NBC affiliate here in LA. And um, I, they had offered me an editorial assistant job. Like, I literally had to, I, you know, I was, like changing careers already. I was about 20, I think I was about 28, 27, 28. And um, it was like really depressing, honestly. Like I had to yeah. go take a work experience class at a junior college just to get course credit for this internship I was doing. Like it was like, not only did you work for free, but you had to take a work experience class to get that. I guess the only benefit of that was that um, I got a student ID. So we got cheap movie tickets for a year or two. Um, that I was doing that. Yeah, that was, that was fun in my late twenties. Um, but, um, but I was already kind of like, I was already kind of moving out of it. And then when I got picked to cover the Olympics, um, it just like, it kept me like I was, I was literally one foot out the door about to change my career and my job and move into something else. And then they picked me for the Olympics. And I was like, this is like a career bucket list thing. This like meant so much to me. So I, I, I turned NBC down. I said, I'm not going to, okay, I can't do this editorial assistant job. I'll, I just got to do the Olympics. I've always, that's like this amazing thing for me. Um, and then after I turned that job down, like a few months later, they called and said, I'm sorry, due to budget cuts, we're not going to send you to the Olympics. <laughs> so that was a fun one. Uh, I remember getting that call going like, oh, I literally just turned a job down so I could do this. And now you're pulling the plug out. It was really, it was really sad. Um, and um, like, I, I just kind of decided I was going to go to the Olympics anyway, and I was going to try to freelance or something. I was going to, you know, I thought I had a credential still. So there was this, first they told me that I could still use the credential. I said, okay, well, I'll send myself there and I'll, and I'll just, I'll freelance. That's what I, that's what I did several times before. Um, uh, like, you know, just, I would get a credential to something and I would go cover it. And if the daily news didn't want me to cover it, then I would just, I would write to all these different papers and see if they would. And I usually be able to like, you know, pay for my trip with whatever I would make that way. Um, and I don't think I would really make money, but it was just, for me, it was about the experience, right? It was about, you know, doing something like that. Um, so I, I was going to do that with the Olympics. And then towards the end, they finally said, no, you can't use your credential either because it's an insurance issue or something. <laughs> it was like really sad. Um, and I remember it was like every little twist and turn with that was just like, it just wasn't meant to be. So, I decided I'm going to the Olympics anyway. My friends from college that I had played college softball with were, I had, I had a really good friend, Jessica Mendoza, who was on the team, the U.S. team. 
I, I knew all the girls on the team from having played against them for like my whole life. And it was the last time softball was in the Olympics. And I just, you know, I had gotten so into like, I'm going to the Olympics. So <laughs> I just decided I was going to go, damn it. And I just went as like a Team USA fan. And it was like really fun. And I'm really glad I did it. Um, and then I came back. I wanted, so it's August of 2008. And that's when my husband finally proposed, right? And uh, hey. we decided to get married. That was it was right towards the end of um, the end of the summer there. And so we're gonna get married. And I was like, okay, like we're still on the same time clock. Like, um, you know, I'm I was at I guess I was 28 at that point. I was sorry, 29 at that point. And uh, I was like, okay, one more year. If I don't if I don't get you know a meaningful step forward in my career. I'm just, I gotta, I gotta do something else. I gotta look elsewhere. So I was, I was like still kind of like one foot out the door, but like literally when I came back is when they had um, some layoffs and that's when I got to be the columnist. And so it was like that last year um, I was like the lead, I went from being like literally leaving the paper and changing career paths to like, you're our lead columnist at the daily news. And I, I really had imposter syndrome because I was like, how do you go from being like the, I was like the local columnist, I would, you know, and, and backup work to like, now I'm supposed to have an opinion on every team in town. And, um, I didn't, I almost like, didn't feel like entitled to it. Like I, I didn't feel like I, I deserved to have an opinion. And usually the, the track was, um, to, you know, you, you're a beat writer for 10 years and then you get to have an opinion. Like that was that era in media where it's like, you, you, you had to, you, there was a, a position of stature and, experience and you know you felt like you were supposed to earn that as nowadays everybody writes a blog when they're 23 or something (laughs) but back then I was like who am I right so I went around and I met with like I would schedule meetings with like Ned Coletti was the general manager of the Dodgers right and I would schedule a meeting with him and I'd say hi Ned I'm I'm Ramona I'm the I'm the new columnist here and I you know I just want to get to know you and and understand where you're coming from because I had these like very idealistic ideas about how you should do this job right like you should you should always call people and give them a chance to respond and they may not like what you say but at least you're going to call them and I think people just kind of like I was I was a little like Mr. Smith goes to Washington right like like very <laughs> idealistic and, you know, and I think people kind of like that like I, I don't know people said yes it was amazing when you would like you know you'd schedule these things and I was all nervous you know like I, I've never even I barely even covered the Dodgers and now I'm supposed to be opinionated um yeah. And uh, so anyway, but I, I ended up like getting to know everyone that way in town because I think they just were sort of, I don't know if they were just charmed by the, the sort of idealism of that meeting. But, um, yes, you know, I did that with the, you. yeah, it was like, you know, like, I kind of, I kind of went to, um, to do that. And so I know that's, that's like kind of a long winded answer, but like it, it actually really helped because once I became a columnist, like now I, I had everybody's numbers and I knew them and we had met and we had talked through things. And I think, you know, that we had pretty good working relationships. So like right off the bat, like I, I didn't just go in and start like opinionating and hot taking. I just like started calling people and trying to do good stories. And like, I, you know, a lot of my first columns are more like features, but um, that's not that started. And then like, you know, real quickly, I was like covering the Dodgers in the playoffs. <laughs> and like I was the only one there because we didn't even have a Dodger writer at the time. Um, and so it was like really fast. And then I, I want to say it was like the 2009. So like one year later is when ESPN called. Um, so I literally had been in that job for like a year and was still kind of finding my footing and voice as a columnist. And I get the call from ESPN saying, you want to come to, to ESPN LA? Um, and you know, I was like, 
yeah. I think it took me like four seconds to say yes, right? Um, <laughs> like, oh yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was, it was like, it was kind of like, and, it, and I think the way they launched it, like it was kind of instructive about how well thought out this plan was. Like I got a call, I want to say it was like Monday of Thanksgiving, you know, of the week of Thanksgiving. <laughs> and Eric was like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm doing this new site, you know, and um, you want to come for an interview? And I was like, so like when? He was like, like, like it was like in three days, like he wanted to do, you know, like the meeting three days later. And I, I, I think I, I, I did an interview and then like literally three days later, they offered me the job and they wanted an answer within by the end of the week. And it was like, okay. Um, and I, bar- I could like barely, and I was like, when are we launching this? And they were like, December 20th. I'm like, that's like three weeks from now. It was so, it was so fast. Like you didn't have time to think. I barely had time to give two weeks notice. I mean, it was like really fast. And um, you know, that should have told us something, right? Like, it was, yeah. you know, we were, <laughs> we were all just kind of like, you know, throwing everything at a wall and, um, see what happens. But it was, it was probably a good environment because we were all, we didn't know what we didn't know. And it just sort of forced me to adapt. Like I would, I realized that a lot of the stories I would write, like, you know, the, the, even when I would get really good quotes, what I thought were great quotes in a feature or a column, like they just weren't being read very widely. They weren't getting out there. But if I would put them in a news story in the headline stack, everyone would see them. And it kind of made me evaluate how I was doing the job. Like you just, you just kind of have to report. Like you can't always expect people are going to read your column. Um, and I, and I kind of, that's what made me get more into reporting. Just, it was like literally out of necessity. Like, I don't, I don't even know if they would have brought me back if I didn't like transition from being, you know, go out and be a, a, a columnist. You know, you, you go to ESPN, you sign contracts, you're there for a couple of years. There's a lot of people who go to ESPN, they're there for two, two, three years and then they're gone. You never hear from them again. And it's because they didn't like break through. They didn't make an impact. And, you know, I, I didn't know that at the time. I'm glad I figured that out soon enough. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but like I kind of had to, cause I would, I would write these stories and I was like, oh, I thought those, those quotes from Joe McKnight were so good and, and like nobody read it, but you know, pretty quickly, I think we learned that it was about in order to be read and to break through into the larger website, to break through to a larger audience, like it was a pretty crowded field. And so I just had to do news. Like you just had to get it yourself into the headline stack. And it was in a way like. It was in a way I would say the word I would use is refreshing, right? Because yeah, you know, for a long time, you know, I was just trying to get someone to notice me, right, or get some kind of opportunity. And you know, news was this great equalizer. Like they didn't care if you were just this like you know person they'd never heard of from the LA Daily News who just barely got hired. Like if you broke a story on the Lakers, they would run it. And if it was you know if you had if you had good you know great quotes that could, that were a good headline and a good story, or you broke a free agent signing or a trade rumor or whatever it was like they were they're all in it and it was like wow I finally have this like meritocracy that I've been looking for for a long time and I thought I found it refreshing and and you know I had a great I had a couple great mentors like Mark Stein was a mentor to me at the time um I, I want to say pretty quickly after this is when I met Brian Windhorst and we all we got to be friends um and we, we were sort of you know kind of on the climb together you know we were learning um, the ways of ESPN and how to do good work there and break through there at the same time. Um, and I, I think I've sort of like never forgotten that because oftentimes you, 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 you're not always sure what you should be doing or what you should work on, but like give a pretty good judge of like what the people want, <laughs> what the yeah. audience actually wants to read and what's valuable. Like you should, you'll probably always have a job, right? Like you, if you, if you can just, 
you know, to quote Jalen Rose, give the people what they want. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's not that hard. And um, I think that we get away from that a lot. Like we, you know, I, like that's one of the great, one of the bad things about the internet. One of the great things about the internet is like, it actually allows you to see what the readers are clicking on and what they're interested in. And, you know, before we used to just have newspaper editors who would like curate this for us and they would, they decided what was interesting without really all that much feedback from readers about what they were actually reading, what was popular. I mean, they were, sometimes they do focus groups or surveys, but like you can actually measure this now. And of course, like, you know, sometimes the readers insult themselves because like the highest traffic headlines are just like stupid, right? Like, <laughs> you know, one of my bigger stories early on was like Derek Fisher got into a, got into a scuffle at a Waffle House. I mean, <laughs> that was clickable, right? Like everybody wanted to know more about that, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think like, you know, pretty quickly after, um, you know, when pretty quickly after, you know, just those types of headlines, like, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious what people are interested in. They're interested in news and information. And then, you know, any type of analysis or features that can like tell them something they didn't know. And like, you, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of back to that spot where I feel like you kind of have to earn your keep. Like you have to, you can't just, you know, assume that people are going to read you because you're you, you have to, you have to write stories that like break through and that they can't get anywhere else. And, like that's, you know, back to my newspaper days of like how, um, I would try to approach things and, and, and cut through as a, as the new columnist, like you just have to like find stuff that nobody else has. And it's harder and harder this day and age because the access game is so icky. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that's where we are. And, and as long as you keep that as your North star, it's, it's like create distinctive content that people can't find elsewhere. Like I, I, I think you're going to be all right. I can't believe that you almost changed career paths. Like that Several moment, times, like that yeah. is just so crazy to me because <laughs> yeah. now, you know, we see you, we, we read all of your articles or we see you on the jump or around the horn, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. It's just, yes, perseverance, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it was, like we always, those of us in our, you know, I'm 40 now, right? So those of us in our mid career, I guess, as we want to put it, um, a lot of us, if we came from the newspaper background, we all have, you know, fun stories of, you know, like what's the worst thing you ever had to cover or like the, the hardest thing. Like I, I win most of those. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, I had like football out in the Antelope Valley where I'm hopping fences and writing from coaches offices on the fax machine or, you know, there was oh gosh, high school water polo, high school cross country, high school, whatever it was like. I remember covering the X Games quite a bit, like, and we covered them very seriously. Like, I was like, I don't know what I'm writing about. It's a fake Emic twist or something, but, like, you know, I think, um, but I, I honestly think that, like, that stuff is what makes you good because you, you learn how to get your own information. You don't sit back and wait for something to be given to you. I do a lot of interviews. Like, I'll try to talk to students and stuff and give them advice if I, you know, I'll take I'll find a time to get on a phone call and, uh, and just try to give advice. And like, I can usually tell pretty quickly whether this person is going someplace in their, in their career. Um, because like, you know, most of it is like, if you get, if I'm going to make like a half hour, you get to, you know, get advice, or whatever. Like I would, I would, if you're going to be somebody in this industry, like you should have read probably like the last 10 stories I did or, uh, interviews that I've done like this, where you talk about your career path or whatever it is. 
and come with like some really good questions. Cause like the same way I would prepare for an interview, right? Like the same way I would prepare for a feature. And like, sometimes like people's questions are like so general and you're like, okay. <laughs> like, you know, what, what do you think about, you know, what's the best way to get into the industry these days? I'm like, you don't need me for that. I, I didn't get yeah. into the industry now. Like I know the industry, but the way I started is totally different the way you're going to start. Why don't you ask me more about how I break a story or how do you cultivate relationships or how do you, like that stuff that's actually going to help you. Right. And I think that that's, um, I think that can tell pretty, pretty fast, like who's going to make it like, and I'll give you a good example. Um, you know, Malika Andrews, she's our, um, yeah. she's a new reporter for us at ESPN. Um, she started reaching out to me when she was like still in college. She's like university <laughs> of Portland. And I remember she, uh, connected with me. She dropped Mark Spears name on me. Like she knew Mark Spears through, <laughs> NABJ and I was like, yeah, okay, all right, we'll talk. Like I was like, man, she was like a, a like high, like college sophomore maybe, and I sometimes I'm kind of like, man, that's a little young. Like why don't you just enjoy college yeah. and call me when you're a senior, you know? But she was just like determined, and we started talking, and like she was a like she was like a writer. Like you could tell right away she had read like you know a couple stories. She just wanted to know how I got Kobe to open up and say this, or how did you do that, or. Like, it was like, she, she asked the right questions. I was like, oh, this is, this girl is really good. Like she, this wasn't just like a standard college kid interview. Yeah. Um, and then not only should we have that, that conversation, like I remembered it was like a 30 or 45 minute conversation. Like I enjoyed it. I, I thought she was, she was interesting. And, and, um, you know, she had, she, she was obviously like very current in the industry. Like she, she was like up on what, who covered what team for which paper. And like, you know, you can, you can, you, you can tell those things. Like when you, when you talk to somebody, um, and um and she stayed in touch like i remember she wrote me again like hey i was just just checking in you know wondering if we could catch up again and i was like i mean about what like you know like at first i was kind of like that we did our call like that was my like you know 45 minutes of advice for you that was a long call and yeah. she just kind of stayed on me like she just i don't know we ended up meeting for dinner at the all-star game was, <laughs> she was good i was like man she's working me like that's like how i would work a source you know <laughs> You're like, okay, now I'm going to dinner. Like I'm actually doing this. I'm actually doing this. And like, (laughs) but it was, she was charming. Like she was just like, she just asked the right questions. She was like interesting. And like, it wasn't just a conversation of like, how can you get me a job? Like it was literally like about, we would just talk story and we talked reporting. And like, I was like, okay, I I think I'm impressed. This is good. This girl's good. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Um, But like, you know, that's like one out of 300 calls I've had, right. Or one out of whatever. And I think like, you know, you can, I'm not just to say like, you can tell when somebody has it, it's just, this is the the advice. I like, I actually did a call with somebody. Um, it was like last week and I was juggling a bunch of things and I didn't totally have time to do this, but I, I tried to make 15, 20 minutes or whatever. And I talked to the kid and it was like very, like super generic. I couldn't even understand a couple things that he was asking. I don't want to give away details, but Um, and I finally just said, you know what, like, you know, I think let's, let's continue this call, but I want you to read like some interviews that I've done on this, um, in the past. And you'll, you'll see, I've answered a lot of these questions already. And I want you to ask me like stuff that's really going to help you, like something more specific to what you need rather than just a very general conversation. Cause like, I, you know, I think that'll be more helpful to you. And it'll also, um, you know, that that's, I want to tell you the truth, you know, like, and it's one of those things that I, I feel like we don't do enough in this industry. Like nobody really tells you the truth about of like where you stand and what's what it is. Like people are just nice to you. 
Um, and I don't think that helps, right? Especially now where like, you know, you're talking to somebody who spent like the majority of their twenties, like just like not knowing what to do and not really having too many mentors or too many people who like taught me. And so when somebody would teach me something, I was like, Oh, so grateful. Thank you. Like, I still shout about to this day is a guy named Brian Doan. He was our US UCLA writer. And this was back in my days when I was just like so like hungry and desperate to like do something other than like cover a high school basketball game or whatever. Yeah. And I got to cover UCLA basketball the year they went to the final four for the first time. And like, I was just, you know, filling, I was literally like the third person on the coverage team. And I just like was attached at the hip to Brian Doan. I was like, Brian, anything you need, like you know tell me what tell me what to do and like I would just watch him he would always get there like really early and he would just work the room he was always talking to all the assistant coaches and some of the players and like and he would never ask questions in the press conference like he would maybe like ask one generic but then after every press conference he would pull people aside and I was like how can you do that and he goes well I don't want to I've I've actually been doing the work like I've actually been reporting all day and I don't want to give away all my reporting to everyone else in this press conference who's just going to sit here and take it for free. Like when you have stuff, when you have a good angle, or if you, if you've been working on stuff and you know what's going on, like don't ever ask that in the press conference and just give it away to all the lazy people who don't. Right. I was like, oh, that's a great point. <laughs> you know, like that's a great <laughs> point. And, um, you know, I just, I would just kind of like watch how he worked the room, you know, I just watch how the store, the, the research he would do, the background, like, and he, you know, when I would do stuff and, um, and it was good, like he was, he would talk to, um, he talked to my editors and like pumped me up and it was like the first time anybody had really done that for me in my <laughs> career and I was like you know like 25 26 like it's, it was a while um it was the first person who like encouraged me and like showed me like oh you, you can do this like you are actually good at this like and you know, I think before that I I felt like a I was I don't want to say the lack I, I really didn't have any confidence in myself in that way because it took me so long to make it you start to believe like well maybe I'm not that good you know yeah maybe I maybe I can't do this um, so it was, you know, I, I always, I always mentioned Brian because it, that really was such a formative thing for me. I feel like it's really crazy too, because I relate to that. Um, and I, and I often say that I think that yes, you have to bet on yourself, but having people around you that like lift you up and encourage you in those moments yeah. where you're like, what am I doing? Um, totally. that's everything because otherwise I always say like, I probably would have given up like a long time ago. Oh yeah. I wasn't like come on, you know, remember who you are here, get back to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you don't get a lot of feedback and you don't like, and you don't get a lot of people, um, who are you know, cheerleading for you. Cause like right. one, I, I think that like, that's why I try to do that with like women in the industry, you know, when, when people reach out to me and I can tell they're, they're just trying to make it, they're just trying to do stuff. Like, you know, I always say to people like, stay on me. Like I'm really busy. Okay. And I'm in the middle of reporting something. And if I don't get back to you, it's not personal. It's like, it's literally like, it's just not that immediate priority of that day and that moment. And like, now I'm busier than I ever used to be because I have a baby now. And I'm, yes. you know, that's a whole other thing. Uh, right. That's a whole other, you know, issue to every single day that you're, you're, you're working with and dealing with and, and trying to make time to be a mom and, um, and enjoy being a mom. Right. Like that's a whole other, that's a whole other, um, life right and part of life and so it's like but I can almost even just like staying on me it's like I know how I respond like I actually respect it when people stay on me I don't feel like they're annoying I, like now when you do get me on the phone it better it, it needs to be a good call right like come prepared and like let's make the most of our time because if not then I'm gonna 
I'm going to do what I did the other day and just be like, hey, next time, once you read a bunch of this stuff and and then we'll have a better conversation because otherwise it's just like, it's fine. I didn't want to be me. I, w- I think I was nice about it, but let's see if this person, if, and if this, if this person calls me back and has done those, those calls and that research, like, you know, that's, that, that'll impress me. That'll be like, yeah. okay, you took that coaching. But if you don't like that, that'll be the end of it. Right. Like it's kind of, and I think that that's, um, there's a lot of people, like there's all these little sort of tests that, that, we do whether it's conscious or unconscious but I know I do it and I think like it's just something to learn in this career um you know that you that we've had which is like you just stay on people like most people are actually like they do want to help they're just busy or they just it's just not a huge priority right then but like if you just make yourself interesting do the research stay on you and there's a lot of people who out there who will help you you know yeah. like they, they will. It's just, it's just, you know, like you have to go searching for them. And I think like when I was younger, like I didn't, I didn't realize that. Like I, you know, people would just, I thought I was bothering people, you know, or I, I was like afraid to ask for help and, and cause I didn't know what to ask, <laughs> you know, like it was like that simple. And so then when I finally got somebody who was willing to help, um, like, you know, like Brian or there's another, another editor at my place. His name was Matt McHale. Um, you know, just, just talk story, like give me advice on stuff. Like that was just like, oh my God, it meant everything. You know, you mentioned your new job as a mommy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I was reading, um, one of the articles you had written from last year, um, while you were still pregnant and you talked about uh, women around you, like Jessica Mendoza, Candace Parker, whoever it may be, who have children and still excel in their career. And you mentioned how, as a society, you kind of just hope that whether you want to have a family or not, we encourage women to do either. Now, with your son almost being one-year-old, shout out Libra season, (laughs) what have you found about being a working mom? Um, You know, it's not, I had no idea what I was, uh, what I was going to feel like, right? Yeah. Um, I had no idea at the time, like how that was going to be, what it was going to feel like, um, you know, it was not easy, um, at all. It's harder, it's harder than I ever thought it would be or expect, you know, even imagined it could be. Um, you know, I, I like, and I think it's, you know, for a good reason, right. Which is simply that, you know, I used to do things a certain way and I used to, um, always like kind of go to every game and try to talk to everybody and, you know, linger. And that's how I would like build my relationships. And that's how I would, um, you know, do most of my reporting is just like talking to people all the time. And you just can't do that. Like my time is like, I need to be home. I need to be a lot more strategic about when I'm going to do stories and when I'm going to, um, you know, this will be a reporting day or whatever, but it just can't be like every single game and it can't be every single day. And it can't, I don't want to go on a trip for five, days now I want to get in and out I want to have something more scheduled and you know I can have two or three days where I'm just kind of hanging out and I'm letting the story unfold but it's not gonna I'm not gonna just do that infinitely um and it's uh, you know it's different right like that's just like not how I used to do things but I I I I think it's good it's a good evolution and Rachel Nichols said something to me before I think she's this is the right way to put it she goes you know having a child is very clarifying like it's (laughs) like you realize like you know, what is actually important to you and like what you really actually need to do versus like what is just extra. And you, you sort of sacrifice the things that really aren't 
worth your, your time, even though it feels weird to say you can't do something or whatever. Like you just like, I'll, like you know, I'll give you an example. Like I was away all weekend and then yesterday I had um, I had the jump and, you know, in years past, I would probably stay downtown and stay at the studio and kind of catch up with everyone and, you know, see if I could set a lunch or a coffee with everyone. But like, I just want to get home and see my son. Like we, we're, <laughs> we're at the beginning of the season and we haven't started yet. And once the season starts, I'm not going to have that many afternoons where I can just like head home at one thirty and, you know, get and have a real a whole afternoon with him. And you know, once the season starts, I'm going to have to stay for games. I'm going to have to be there, you know, all day. So it's like, nah, <laughs> like I'm not going to worry about those, like, I'm not going to worry about those extra, extra things I can squeeze in and do. And it's like, this is, it's okay. And like, I might be a little lacking in, you know, office gossip, I guess, or, or <laughs> relationships at the, at the, with, with my coworkers or whatever, but like, oh, well, like, yeah. and, and that is something that you just kind of have to like deal with. Like sometimes like the, I mean, even down to the part where like sports center will say, Hey, like, can you come on sports center at six or the 6 PM Eastern show? And I'm like, you know, I'm going to do that from home. Um, I'm done at one. I could theoretically stay down here till three, but if I, <laughs> but if I stay, um, I'm going to just spend the whole evening in traffic. But if I drive home in this hour that I have here, I'll, I'll do it from my home camera. And then when I'm done, I'll actually be home with my son. Right. As opposed to like sitting in traffic for three hours afterwards. Yeah. Um, so I mean, just like make little like scheduling kind of decisions. Like, you know, Laker games last year, Clipper games last year, I was always going, I would, uh, I would put him to, he's, he was, you know, just a few months old at that point. So mommy needs to be there to put him to bed. Right. I can, I can go to games sometimes. So I just can't do it all the time. Um, so I, I kind of had to choose, like, am I going to do pregame or am I going to do postgame? And more often than not, I would choose postgame. So I'd go, um, I'd put him to bed around seven 30 and then I'd, I'd hop in the car. I'd, as soon as he gets to bed, I would you know, tell my husband, okay, like you got him until I get home. And I would just hop in the car and I'd get to the game at like halftime. Um, and then I'm there for post game just to work the locker room. You know, it was like, can't always do the whole thing, but I, at least I can be there to like work the locker room post game and see what's going on. And like next tomorrow when I'm on the show or tomorrow, whatever, like that's when, I'm going to, um, you know, that's what I'm going to just be able to, you know, I'll, I'll base it off of what I write in post game, but I, you know, I'm not necessarily going to write off every game unless it's a big game. And, um, those are the kind of decisions you start making when you're a mom, like you just, you'd be a lot more strategic about how you're using your time. We're making those choices uncomfortable for you at first. Yeah, totally. Cause it's the way you used to do things and things that had made you successful in the past. But you've now found a way to adjust and say, this is what matters right now yeah i mean it's what matters right now and also like you know sometimes you it's like you know when they say like when you go pack for a trip and you like bring way too much stuff and you're like oh yeah i I just packed really fast and just threw everything in there but if you have some time and you like think through like well i'm only gonna be there for two days so i need this this and this and you're like a little bit more thoughtful about how you pack like you really don't you don't bring nearly as much right well like that you know it's like well, what do I really actually need to go there for? Who do I really, what's my plan of being here? Am I just going here to hang out? Or is there somebody really specific that I want to talk to you about this? You know? Um, So I I feel like I'm a little more targeted now. A little more more focused and targeted. Literal life goals. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going to take just a quick break. And if you don't leave us yet, Ramona is going to answer a few of your questions coming up. 
Welcome back inside. Thank you for submitting your questions for the pod this week. So Jason Ross Jr. said uh, he loved the Sterling Affairs retweet. Uh, what was the work process like for creating all five episodes? Um, well, it was like a huge process, right? It was like a year and a half in the making. Um, and yeah, you know, I think we started, like I had had this idea and I pitched it pretty, it was a, it, a lot of times, sometimes with like a podcast you would, you would start with an idea, but like things would take shape through reporting. Like I, I knew the story so well that I was pretty sure what I needed in reporting. And like, I didn't need to discover it all that much. I think I, I knew what I was doing. Right. Um, but it was still really hard to land all these interviews and find the right sources and find the right, um, and, you know, just get the breadth of interviews that you have to do. There's just so many people. Um, so the first, the whole first, you know, six to eight months of this is just doing a bunch of interviews. Um, and then it's about, okay, going through these interviews and seeing what to make of them. And I remember my producer on this, Julia Henderson, she, she would fly in, she was living in Australia this year. So she would fly in for a couple of weeks at a time and I would take time off from the NBA season. I was like, okay, tell every show that I'm not available. I'm not doing radio or TV. I'm not doing NBA stuff right now, unless it's an absolute emergency. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, these two weeks I'm doing this. So I did that over the all-star break. So that was like one of the weeks, um, you know, I had a few, I had a few things I was working on, but that's about it. Um, and we would just like put our heads down and be like, okay, what's an episode? What, what's the story arc? What's the, how many episodes, what would be in each one? And, um, and, you know, I think we just started, started going. Like I, I remember starting just, I was like, look, we just kind of have to outline stuff and then we have to like, just start putting stuff on a page because once you put it on a page, you can kind of see it more. Um, and then, you know, quite frankly, like, I mean, Julia is just an amazing producer and writer and it's just an incredibly hard worker. And she just done this with Bikram and um, her five part series. So she knew exactly what we needed to do. So I just, I really leaned on her um, to help us take it, you know, to help us make everything that all the interviews I had done and turn them into actual episodes. So we would, we were always, you know, she would write stuff and then I would take it at night and write through and then we would send it, you know, around, um, you know, each of those episodes is like 30 pages long. So there it's, it's like writing a book and it's really, it's really an intense thing. And then, you know, a lot of stuff gets moved around as you do it. Cause you're like, no, this actually belongs more in episode four and whole scenes get cut, whole things that you think are important at the time get cut. We add stuff late. I mean, it was, it was all like that so uh, like it's hard to describe what the work process is like because it's it's really a giant team of people that does it quick follow-up yeah connor, connor varney would like to know will we see more 30 for 30 stories like this from you um probably um i, I hope so <laughs> yeah i mean i think what's hard is like you do one of these and people are like what do you got next and you're like oh can I take a second like I want to just like breathe for a second that was like an out that was like a year and a half that I was doing that and it was also like a year and a half that I was coming back from having a baby and doing my other seven jobs at ESPN it's not like I didn't do my jobs I would just take a week here or there but this is mostly done on my you know my night times right (laughs) they would go to bed and I was like okay I got a few hours here um so yeah, I think there will be more um, because I, it's a really gr- it's a great genre and I like doing it. It's just hard and it takes a while. So it's like if there's another one, yeah, maybe in a year or two. <laughs> like I'll start on it, you know, six months from now and it'll take a year to do. So it's not it's not like a you know a TV show that comes back twice a year. 
Last question. Mm-hmm. We're talking about uh, finding a unique angle for your stories. Jake Snelson says, where do you get your article ideas? Because you always find those awesome topics. Hmm. Um, I don't know. How do I get my ideas? She just, just talented, y'all. Yes. No, I mean, I just think, I think like when I do a story, like I just kind of like listen to people and I'm always thinking about, so what is their, what is the thing that they're working through? What's their issue? What are they, what are they trying to get to? Um, you know, like, okay, I'll, this is just like the last thing that I wrote, but I can write things fast because I know what the story is, right? Like, um, you know, I'm a big supporter of women's sports and I, um, I always try to cover the sparks when, when I can, cause they're a really good NBA, WNBA team and have some of the best players in the league. So I said, I'll, I'll, I'll write in advance, you know, the other day and, um, Okay, the Sparks coach is Derek Fisher. That's interesting. Um, right. You know, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do some more stories on their players. But like, okay, Fisher's interesting. He flames out as coach of the Knicks, um, and you know, works in TV for a couple years. But like, you know, probably took that Knicks job too soon. Um, he said to me in the story that he would have stayed as a play. Probably would have stayed as a player if Phil Jackson hadn't called him, and um, should have taken some more to he, he wanted to coach theoretically for the you know 20 years and he thought he had time to figure this out but he just got fired after a couple of years um and it's like what do you do next like you're like this proud nba champion who had you know a promising coaching career just completely go up in flames in this year you know in this couple of years he spent in new york and it kind of it was interesting because when he took the sparks job it's like wow, okay, he's willing to go do that. That's, that's, that's you know, for a, for an NBA coach, an NBA player to, like, go coach in the WNBA, that's, like, a, it's a nice, it's an interesting pivot, right? It's, I don't want to say it's a step down, but it's not the NBA, right? So, right. They, you know, they have to, um, you know, it shows me that he wanted to work on his craft. You know, he could have gone to college or he could have gone to WNBA, could have gone to the G League, something like that. But it showed, one, that he still wanted to be a coach and, two, that he was willing to put the work in. Um, cause he, you know, he wasn't a good coach when he first started. He, he had a lot to learn. So I, I did a story on fish and kind of like what he told the team and how they were going to react to him and how he approached them. Um, and I don't know, that's to me, it's like, there's the, there's the drama right there. Like, how did he approach you? Like, how did he, how did he move? How did he move from, you know, failure in New York? Um, but also like still the stature of Derek Fisher, five time champion with the Lakers to coaching women's basketball and now they're in the playoffs they're in the semifinals that 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 are going on right now um so yeah that was that was, that was a good story you just always look for the drama and you have to like look through the part the thing that that person is doing right then that is hard like you work through their backstory so okay if you were doing a story about me what would your what would your angle be new mom coming back to work how's that like um you know, what's your career journey been like? What are your, what are your next goals? What do you, how do you, how do you continue to reinvent yourself in the industry as it, as it changes? Like, like those are, those are the big dramatic inflection points that we're, that I'm probably answering. Um, and that would be your line of questioning and there, there would be your story, right? Yeah. Yeah. You explained our podcast conversation. <laughs> yeah. In story form. And that yeah, is Ramona Shelburne, everybody. <laughs> You probably look for some interesting details. Like, I don't know, where would you, where would you, what would you do the lead as? Is like how I almost quit on the industry a few times. Like you, you know, that's shocking to me. Yeah. So like, and I gave you a few details, like, you know, you kind of stylize the lead, right? Like, you know, (laughs) like 
she was going to the Olympics either way. It was supposed to be to cover to cover them, but you know, in a moment of whatever, like you find. Oh out. yes, write the you article know? right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, you just kind of you find this, you find a dramatic moment or thing that that person is working through. Find a scene in and around that. Find some revealing details about that that shows who they are and how they go about things and how they view the world. Um, and then there's your story. So that yeah, I. I guess like I, I guess I kind of look through people who are going through stuff. Yeah. I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today and You're for welcome. writing the verbal version of this podcast. <laughs> 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 no, but seriously, I, I really do appreciate your time um, because I know that it's precious with yeah, all the work welcome. you have in your family. So thank you. You are welcome. Okay, everybody. For the Ramona Shelburne, I'm Amanda Smith. We'll catch you next time on How She Did It. <laughs>